Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. Wait, hold up. Wait, whoa. whoa. Bearcat Bounce Podcast presented by Delco Transmissions. Back at it again. There we it's go. Mouthful. I love it. There we go. You want me to send you the ad read? You want me to do the, the, the ad read here for Delco Transmission? I'll start. All right. And then I'll send it to you, Brent. And from here on out, you can be the official voice of Delco Transmission. Delco Transmission, an auto, auto care family owned since 1970 in Fairfield near Jungle Gems. Proud to support the Bearcats and the BBP. Mention the BBP, $10 off any oil change or service. Delco Transmission. Whoa. Love it. Well, that's always. Big time now. As always, though, I am Brent Young. Aaron, Chad, Delco Transmissions, how are we? I feel like we're doing really well. If we got a sponsor, we got a YouTube page, we got Chad firing on all cylinders again. And it's the end of the season. So I can only just imagine what's going to happen going into basketball season as that gets running at full cylinders with Chad running at full cylinders. Let's go to the moon. Oh, to the moon. Chad, how are we? Not great, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do we dive like, right into it or, or, or do what, we? What, what, what choice do we have? Like five minutes guess, before the show started. We're going to talk moving. about we're going to break down the ECU game, talk about the excitement of heading back to the third straight AAC championship game. But our our good buddy, friend of the Bearcat Journal, Pete Thamel, decided he wanted to detour this for a second. <laughs> it doesn't have anything to do with the Bearcats. So yeah. I'll leave it at that. LSU is expecting to hire Notre Dame's Brian Kelly as the school's next head coach. An announcement could come as early as tomorrow. This is off the heels of that that kind of uh, mysterious Hail Mary tech, uh, tweet from, from Godfrey, who's a, a big LSU fan, if you will, has uh, connections to there. Um, his wife's that, an LSU alum. His wife's an LSU alum. That came yesterday. Now today... We hear this about Pete from Pete Thamel, which means that's gospel. We'll we'll keep it on the Catholic trend. That's gospel when Pete Thamel tweets it out. LSU expected to hire Notre Dame's Brian Kelly as the school's next head coach. And I guess the interesting timing in Godfrey's tweet, as he mentioned, is the fact that Notre Dame is very much still in the running for that final playoff spot. (laughs) That's crazy. That's the crazy part to me. Like, you're not out. You're number five. You very well could get into the playoff. You, all you need is an Alabama loss and then a loss by Oklahoma State, and you're the fourth seed. I, it's, a, it's an interesting dynamic being tossed into the mix. Uh, but in, in the long run, the, uh, the trickling of effects, if you will, that now would, uh, will open up South Bend wide open just like it was how many ever years ago. Brent, with both, those loss, with both those losses, you could be a three seed, not a four seed. Well, well no. It, it would be Cincinnati. Cincinnati would be the three seed. Notre Dame at the four okay. seed. 
Gotcha. Michigan at the two if they beat Iowa. But still, so there's there's so many moving pieces, right? There, there is, there is. But you know, it's the timing. Obviously, now is just tossed out the window because, I mean, if if athletic directors are are somehow buying two houses in Texas and then buying a six million dollar house in in Los Angeles and 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 a private jet for the family to use, all in the process of giving a coach a a brand new contract as well. Um, I think anything goes at this point uh, when it comes to these uh, big name schools really going after the coach that they want and doing all they can to make it happen. But that means that uh, South Bend, Notre Dame, wide open, wide open job. Uh, They do have a, a a beautiful young defensive coordinator that is just bringing five stars left and right to South Bend. His name is Marcus Freeman. Let's, uh, I'm sure he'll be on the shortlist of candidates. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of other candidates, but uh, I'm going to open up the door and uh, just just let you two chime in your thoughts on exactly how this feels because obviously that was one of the two buzzwords, one of the uh, if this job opens up, keep your ears perked or deals. Um, kind of what are your guys' thoughts? Because right now Pete Thamel is saying it's gospel. Brian Kelly goes from Grand Valley State to Central Michigan to Cincinnati, to Notre Dame, down to the Bayou. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be saying go Tigers, but uh, he's, uh, <laughs> he's, he's heading on down south to LSU. Guys, thoughts? Well, first off, I know that Pete Thamel's reporting it, but until it's actually done and done, I don't believe anything because, I mean, people, even just last year, especially with LSU, were reporting that Marcus Freeman was a done deal until it wasn't. You know who so, wasn't reporting that? I know it wasn't Pete Thamel, and I understand that. It wasn't, it wasn't Pete Thamel. I understand. But again, I mean, crazier things have happened. Let's let's just I'm, – I'm pumping the brakes. I'm not telling you two that you have to pump the brakes, but I'm pumping the brakes until it's done. That all said. Um, if let's Pete Thamel Mar- says it, it's happened. Let's hope that Marcus Freeman, with his recruiting, with his just general demeanor, has impressed the hell out of that Notre Dame – upper brass and even still i i mean i i don't feel good i don't feel good about anything right now um beat houston you have to beat houston and and the rest right now doesn't matter you beat houston and i don't see coach luke fickle turning his back on his guys going into the college football playoff well that's the thing if they make it into the college football playoff it's this is going to be something that, I mean, everybody, everybody is going to have Luke Fickle at the top of this list. Right. Sure. Like, well, and not just this season going into next year, like it doesn't matter. Like this is going to be an ongoing thing. It's already started. Yeah, but I mean, it's, Notre Dame, it's, it's, it's Notre Dame. I understand. This is a different, this is one of the two jobs, right? That we've Everybody's already always about. said mm-hmm. Notre Dame or Ohio state. One of those two open up, be concerned. Well, it's time to be one of those two has opened up potentially. Aaron, buddy, I I hope that you're correct here. But I don't want, I I don't, I mean, I'm not doing this for an I told you so or anything like that, but I just, until I see that it inks on paper, we'll see. You know, I I brought out a microscope to make sure that the check mark next to Pete Thamel's name on that tweet was real and, uh, it checked out. That's the real Pete Thamel. 
It is. Uh, it's not a fake tweet. It is a real tweet. Um, you know, it. What it boils down to me is just the the timing for the move for Kelly down to LSU is interesting, and now the timing for the opening there at Notre Dame is also interesting because you know you've got. I mean, and, and Luke's name will be in the mix because he's in the mix with every every single big opening in the country. You know, he was he was a favorite to land the Oklahoma job. And then all of a sudden, you know, Brent Venables took that and then all the supposedly or, or yes. So, but my thought is this is such a special season, such a, a year that fickle has really just brought everything into it. And I mean, on the outside looking in, I, I believe everything that Luke says, I believe this, you know, the living under a rock and whatnot. And I, I, I don't know how quickly, Notre Dame is going to try and look for the search. I don't know how how quickly they're they're going to try and land somebody because, I mean these these dominoes are falling at a very rapid pace. And well, that's that's the thing. Signing day is three weeks away. Like, right. Less exactly. Than three, like, like the train the train's on the tracks. Like right. well, the thing is, I think that Marcus Freeman can keep that train going still. And until. Yeah, I, I mean, that's it, the interesting point. part for Notre Dame is, is that this recruiting class is epic for them. Right. One of the reasons this recruiting class, one of the main reasons this recruiting class is epic for them is Marcus Freeman. Marcus, yeah. Does this give them an incentive to look to keep Marcus? Because they have to be aware. They could shoot themselves in the foot here. Like, this is the interesting subplot, Right. Right. You go after Luke Fickle, Cincinnati job becomes open. Who does Cincinnati target? Marcus. Marcus. Marcus leaves for Cincinnati. Whether those recruits follow Marcus Freeman to Cincinnati or not, guess what? They're probably not staying in Notre Dame because the relationships they built at Notre Dame would be compromised. So that's, that is where this definitely like has a wrinkle how willing is Notre Dame going to be to throw an elite recruiting class into the wind right? with the opportunity to keep it somewhat or mostly in place? Holy crap. This is not – I'll tell you what. Danco Transmission picked a hell of a night to start sponsoring this podcast because this thing is going to go through the roof when it comes to listens. I – we're still processing it. That's the difficult part. I, I okay. haven't had a chance. I, I'm, my phone is going. I had to turn it completely on silent because it's going bananas. Um, yeah. You know, you've oh, got man. you've got this, national this, people. This isn't good. National people saying that this is just because because even Kelly came out and I all Cincinnati fans can understand that when Kelly said that he's not going to leave. Notre Dame on his own, you know, goodwill. <laughs> so right before the <laughs> this is what I want to say though. This is what I want to say though. That's why when people were like people were so upset with me yesterday for saying like because Oklahoma and LSU were open that my level of concern was at a four. What's happening with the money in this sport right now changes everything. Like bananas. Like, like saving was the top dog at like 7 million a year until all of this stuff started happening. If you can, if you could get Luke to five, like that's not far away from the highest paid coach in the country, right? That's 
doesn't save That's in the does, conversation. But doesn't save him. Is at like ten or twelve now, isn't he? Well, I was gonna say, doesn't he have it in his contract that he has to make more than every other coach? Probably. I, I'm not familiar with Nick Saban's contract, but I'm saying seven was like the the ceiling. The ceiling's now 11, 12. Like, what are we doing? What's happening right now? Well, and we, when we were talking yesterday, like that's more than NFL coaches are making right now, and that's that's more insane. than Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick doesn't make eleven million dollars a year. You're going to see coaches leaving the NFL and getting bought out by colleges. Mel Tucker is making Bill Belichick, Nick Saban money. What are we doing? Wild. What are we doing? Inflation hits everyone, Chad. <laughs> these, these are the same people that, that 12 months ago were cutting sports because COVID had ransacked their athletic department. They just didn't have any money. Did it? We knew that was a lie. There was an opportunity for them to trim the fat on programs that they didn't want, you know, sucking from the teat of God almighty football. Bingo. But I, I knew crazy stuff was about to happen. Once you saw the money, it, like, and there was no, like, there's no, no gradual jump. Just boom. We're at 10. Now we're 11. Now we're at 12. Right. right. Like, well, and, and also going off that, just, just to kind of back up your point is here's the, here's the extra details on, on Lincoln Riley's USC deal who Mike Bone put together for him. Uh, $110 million is, is the contract. USC is buying both of his homes in Norman, Oklahoma. That's reported. That's not reported, but still it's, but it's, I, it's, I've heard that's, I heard that's pretty far off, but, but some we'll of it see. might still be right. Yeah. It's, right. USC buying both of the homes in Norman for $500,000, which is over, no, over the asking price, which is, which is pretty much a $1 million bonus immediately. Then they're buying a $6 million home in Los Angeles for Lincoln Riley. And then they're allowing Lincoln Riley and his family unlimited use of a private jet 24, seven, 365. That's just like we're we're getting to buku levels right now. Like that is just crazy levels of of paying, and you, you know, and of course, Mike Bone goes on and and he says, "I was it was never our goal to change the landscape of college football with one of the biggest moves in the history of the game, but we did exactly that." So that's my yeah, bone. right. It was never your intention, right? That's my bone being my bone. Oh. We, we didn't mean to do it, but here we are. It's Mike Bone being Mike Bone, but still, I, he kind of did. I, I, I'm interested to hear exactly what LSU threw at Brian Kelly because Brian Kelly wasn't making reportedly that much, but what Notre Dame doesn't have to submit their payroll or, or whatever to because they're private, a private school. So I don't know exactly what he was making with bonuses and, and you know, incentives and things like that, but. I mean, I Ed Orgeron was the second highest paid coach in America. If I'm, I believe I'm right with that. So now, I can only imagine what what Brian Kelly was offered to leave Notre Dame, where he was having success, loads of success, and now he goes to LSU, where, and it's a whole SEC thing. It's just I don't know the whole the whole thing is just very interesting 
especially with what uh, how the entire landscape of college football is changing. And this is now just another thing. But uh, yeah. How the hell are you going to leave your team, though, if you make the college football playoff? The thing that everyone's trying to do. He won't. If it's, announced as er- if it's announced as early as tomorrow. Oh, Brian, BK, yeah. Like, well, yeah. Yeah, BK, That's I'm talking about Luke. Like, I understand. We know, I'm, we, we I'm, know ta- I'm talking about Kelly's BK. Character. Correct. We know Brian Kelly's character. It's, that's just, what a shit show. <laughs> uh, the other thing I want to bring up, a name that, don't be surprised if a name that gets, starts getting kicked around. It's ar- I already saw it from Pro Football Focus tonight. Notre Dame could be going after Urban Meyer. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> that that would that would, I what, think what better think, way to what better way to rehab your character, redefine who you are, than going to a Catholic school where I'm sure you can't get in any type of trouble, right? What better what better way for Notre Dame to really promote itself as the beacon of uh, all things good and moral in sports by <laughs> hiring a guy that was just checking some random chick's oil. In a bar in Delco, Delco transmissions. Um, <laughs> but I, if he if he mentioned the BVP, he could have got ten percent off of that oil check. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, that one was on the house. Yeah, yeah, that he owned that establishment. House, that was on the house. Yeah. <laughs> I own this bar, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, Free oil checks. I I admittedly. And, and one of the biggest optimists out there. And no. I just continuously tell myself that, like, like I, I believe and I trust everything that Lucas said, and I still do. And a lot of that is he blocks out all the outside noise and tells, you know, all these coaching searches, like, thank you, but right now we're focused on this. Right now we're focused on that. So I don't think that, like you said, Chad, if a decision is made to that front, it, it won't happen until midway through January. And when that's the case, like you said, I, does Notre Dame want to wait that long? Does, you know, is, is two months long enough time where they fall in love with a different candidate? I, the whole thing is just weird, but the amount of money that's being tossed around is, is just insane. And I, if, if the move to the big 12 could happen next year, or I, I mean, Cincinnati gets into the to the college football playoff this season, gets that extra money on top. I, like the the whole thing is just, man, the the timing is just very very bad, especially to the point where this is a, an extremely special team. Luke is an extremely special person. I just don't see him breaking his trust like that right before here's, here's all the these interesting, special people. Here's the interesting part of it, right? This team is, in large part, not going to be here next year. Right. Fazinhos, yeah. So, so when you're talking about, like, what it does to the team, I'm sure there's, like, a lot of, like, wondering and, like, you know, looking around at each other. But 30-plus of these guys, or, you know, a large percentage of that 30, are going to be moving on. Like, their, their mission at hand is to beat Houston and get into the playoff. So, sure, there's going to be some level of distraction this week to Notre Dame opening up. But, I mean, 
the, the pulse of this team, the heartbeat of this team, has one challenge left in college, right? Like a lot of these guys, they've been here five, six. Feels like Freeman or uh, uh, Brown and Brooks and, and DeBlanco have been here since like the Sugar Bowl. They have almost. <laughs> so I don't, I don't get the the sense that this will be a team that will let them will let this something like this filter in and be something that takes away from what we see on the field on Saturday, unless they play like crap. And then I was, I was wrong. And I'll have to come back on here next Monday and eat crow. Yeah. I'll, or, I'll be in tears or engine oil, recycled engine oil. I have to eat that from oh, the fine folks. Delco transmission. <laughs> Mention the BBP. Get $10 off your next service. Do we, need oh, to pl- do we need to plug the BBP getting 75% off right now if you join? I mean, yeah, it'll probably, by the time most people listen to this, it'll be tomorrow. So, But at least Although until we, midnight on the 29th. Until midnight, until midnight tonight. Also, look up Bearcat Journal on YouTube. The Bearcat Journal Nightly Rewind. Although hit I, like, I think Aaron... Hit like, subscribe. I think Aaron might have uh, renamed it. The BCJ nightcap. It's perfect. It's it's on par for the brand. It is. It's kind of on par for the brand. The BCJ nightcap. I think you could come up with a uh, a pretty cool uh, title logo. page for that yeah. logo. You know, with the with the cup with the BCJ logo on it. We have a sponsor lined up. I'll I'll introduce tomorrow. Hmm. For the BCJ, I told you, chance firing on all cylinders. It's wild around here, BCJ we, we, man. We we potentially have a fourth podcast that I'm working on in we, development. We have we have a Facebook page we're announcing tomorrow night. Big things are happening, Brent Young. They are. They are. Hop on board. Uh, what about Matt Campbell? What does that name do for you? I mean, he's got like. Let's be honest. If you're hiring, who's on your list first, Luke or Matt right. Campbell? Well, no, it's going to be Luke number one, but I'm just saying Matt Campbell's available to talk to right now when I think that Luke would kind of be the one that would say, you know, curtains shut until mid-January. So we don't – I mean, we don't know. Like, it, they could lose Saturday. They could win Saturday and not make right. it. Like, yeah, Saturday is, like – the biggest game in program history, especially now, right? Like times a hundred, yeah. Like that, this went from all in I, to like all in. I think it's kind of relative though, because I think you still go back to the Notre Dame game. Because if you don't win that game, you don't even have this opportunity, right? But if you don't win, this game could come down to what we saw in two thousand and nine with with Texas losing or not Nebraska not hanging on to be Texas like yeah. this could be this is the weekend that could determine you know there's there's two weekends in UC sports that change the course of the athletic department yeah that weekend in 2009 and that stupid fucking night in Nashville Ooh. because hypothetically Mick Cronin beats Nevada. 
gets to an, a, a, a Sweet Final 16 four, where they, they had a, fa- a favorable matchup, an Elite Eight where they had a favorable matchup, maybe gets to a Final Four. Nick Crane yeah. is still the coach of Cincinnati. Like, so the yellow brick road was laid for sure. Yeah. The yellow brick road was there. The yellow brick road in 2009 was there, but Cincinnati sports happened. We are One talking about some, on the clock. about some sad things when it is happy time and, and Cincinnati Bearcats. I know <laughs> it's that's just... because what happens when it's happy time in Cincinnati, man. I mean, oh, this is, this was one of the golden ages of of Cincinnati Bearcats sports. And then Saturday happened a little bit for the basketball team. You know, we'll touch on that a little yeah, bit later. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I agree. But and then all of a sudden, now all this happens. And, oh, man. Um, I mean, it'll be something to watch. Uh, Luke is a man of his word, loves Ohio. But, man, they they did drive a bus up to South Bend. So it's, uh, it's not really that far. Um, golly. Uh, so I, I don't know. We'll see how the how the chips fall as they may. A very senior laden team, so I don't think that this is going to be too much of a distraction. I mean, this is a uh, a big game against a really good Houston team this weekend. But I don't know. There's there's so many different ways that this could go. I'm looking at it as more of a. He's not even going to entertain the conversations of it until. Certain things happen until Saturday happens, and then we got to cheer on first. Let's go, Baylor. Can they do it for the Bearcat fans again? Then let's go, Georgia Bulldogs. Because when you beat the Georgia Bulldogs, you're going to feel the Bulldog bite. And then let's go, Iowa. So uh, that's those are the things you got to keep cheering on, and it it really sucks that we have to do that, but. Well, the Here big we concern the big concern with Baylor is they've already lost Oklahoma State earlier this season. Yeah. Hard hard to beat a team twice. We say it in college basketball all it's the fair. time. Memphis did it to us a few years ago, but oh, man. I don't know. I don't want to I, I refuse to be sad. This is a this is a happy I, time. Alabama hasn't shown me anything though. I mean, I was I was doing a little bit of research, you know, for my yeah. article this week. Wow. And Alabama has managed somehow with the scheduling geniuses in Alabama right? to, to only p- play four true away games. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. Because the other game or two were, were in uh, neutral sites. And they, yep. lost at, they lost at A&M and they struggled at Auburn. So they struggled right. in two of their four away games like true away games well well you know same same thing with georgia is they have not traveled away from a bordering state all season pretty uh well they get this game in atlanta and (laughs) we all know how well georgia travels to atlanta from Athens. i mean the main the main thing i okay and georgia's in no matter what i'm I'm not going to dispute that you look at georgia's schedule georgia georgia's schedule like i mean who have they beaten their, their best win is against Clemson. Sure. SEC. They played an SEC schedule. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I, Clemson? Is, are we all going to jump on board saying that Clemson is the Clemson? Of, I, whatever. We could touch on this for a long time. But Three lost Clemson that's going to be in the top 20 this week. But, man, Auburn, stay in bounds when you're trying to run the clock under two minutes in the fourth quarter with a lead. Woof. Auburn, go for two. 
when you score a touchdown in the first overtime at a home. backup quarterback who has one foot. Should have, could have, would have. Not, it's fine. Not, not great, Bob. <laughs> and then, of course, don't, don't even get me started on that Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game, man. Those two teams look bad. That, that was a, a bad football game. But, hey, you know what? Oklahoma State. I, I, will, I will disagree with you only by saying Oklahoma State's defense looked fantastic. I gave up 33 points, but, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Oklahoma scores. We already knew that. Their defense has been suspect all season long, but I don't know that I, their defense did impress me. Okay. I agree. Coming into this game, they'd only given up like, I don't know, some crazy amount of like very little touchdowns in the last like four games. I think they had only given up like one touchdown. Right. Right. Oh, well that was the, uh, around the world and the college football landscape. Not too much going on. (laughs) Not too much going on. Oh yeah. Michigan beat Ohio state. So, uh, Congratulations to Mr. Harbaugh up there um, and uh, feel bad for all you Ohio State fans out there. Welcome aboard the Bearcat bandwagon. Plenty of room. Maurice, Maurice Claret, Claret is driving the bus <laughs> for now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, We don't even have these conversations if, if hopefully the last trip to, to Greenville, North Carolina in a very long time didn't end the way that the Bearcats wanted it to. Um, that was a game that happened on Friday. I don't know about you guys. That that it feels to be like that game happened like a month ago. Like it's it is just so much has we're, happened. We're at that point where every day is like a week. It's, it's like so much has happened. It's insane. That's why it was a great time to start the the nightly the nightly rewind is because every day right now is is a week. Like you can't do a right. weekly read. You got to do a nightly recap just to keep up. Yeah, right. I might have to re-record the damn thing when we get done here. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you recorded it. You said, "Yeah, you did it all, too early. You got to wait." The job like- spots are filled. I'm feeling great. Let's go into the Houston game. College football playoff on the horizon. Oh, You're gonna have to start recording this nightly rewind or the the nightcap at like eleven at the, as you're yeah, actually, at, at, actually at having your nightcap. Yeah, at the news, like at, we're the nightly news because seven to eight, like I, I recorded at like six, we got home from dinner about 6.45. I sat straight down, jotted down a little outline of how I wanted to, to do it, recorded, got it posted, and then got this ready for the podcast. And as soon as, basically as soon as Brent was logging in, you could see the look on his face as he was seeing the news. I mean, I never imagined it because I like literally like I, I feel like every once every week, Marcus Freeman had to call Brian Kelly and say, hey, hey, BK, I've got another five star. You want to take him? And then BK, yeah, sure. Bring on another five star. Hey, got another five star. BK, you want to take him? Yeah, bring him in. Another high four star. You want him? Yes. I don't know. Money, but money talks. Money talks. Um, we knew it did. To, to Brian Kelly. Uh, we we all experienced that back in the day. So um, it's, being, it's being reported that Notre Dame's boosters feel blindsided. <laughs> oh, wow. That's what happens. You fucking ass. Fuck you. <laughs> like you did this to us. What do you mean you feel blindsided? Well, I'm sure they'll have a big, you know, 
big uh, welcoming back to one of their special teams some sometime down the road, and they'll let Brian Kelly walk on the field, and they'll either cheer or they'll boo him. So, uh, or both. Notre Dame fans, you guys take your pick. But um, you know, it's more on the ECU game because we had we had a moment where a, a player finally had his Heisman moment. You know, we we've been waiting all season for it to happen, and finally, I think we can put his name into the Heisman Trophy list. That's Ryan Royer. Ryan Royer came onto the field, <laughs> darted through, and made the third phase of the three phases of football, complementary football, blocked a punt. Ryan Royer, with enough eye black that he could share with everyone else on that punt block team, but, man, good, good for him. Senior moment, Heisman moment, <laughs> cast your vote, Ryan Royer. What's the guy from uh, the NFL Hall of Fame who played defensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings, who oh, used man. to do just all the eye black? Jared Allen. He, yeah, he's the one that kind of started it. Not, not Jared Allen. Jared. It, was, it was well before Jared Allen. It was back in the 90s. Okay. Well, well Jared Allen would use a lot. And so uh, would uh, – so what's his face? Um, the uh, – the son of Hallie Long, Chris Long, he used a lot of eye black too. Just it was reminiscent of that when I saw it. But kudos to Ryan Royer for sure, man. Good to see. Good to see the Bearcats get not just the, the, the field goal block, but also the punt block in back-to-back weeks. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean and there was two field goal blocks. Let's be all the way honest. There was. There was. I mean, that's funny. We can just say it now that that they got a thumbs up from the official on their sidelines saying that. Everyone was was on sides. Everything was good, and then of course a flag from the opposite end is is an offsides on Garbage. Marcus Brown, and then they end up making the forty four yard field goal after it was going to be forty nine yards. But still, um, you know, it, you're starting to see that three phases really click into full effect because I I mean Ryan Montgomery is a phenomenal punt returner. Uh, you've got punt block all locked in. You've got Arquan Bush who is just a a kick blocking expert and you know like like sauce gardner said he's not gonna give away a secret yeah john randall was the uh defensive tackle i was referring to john randall very good pulling in your bag of tricks there aaron i enjoy uh, you know it's 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 this team is clicking it, they are you know offensively name me a better quarter than what we were seeing in that second quarter it should have been 28 points in that second quarter you know yeah that, but you still had the first and third and Fourth to an extent, like yes, yes. I right. get that that was as, as good as the offense has looked all year for fifteen minutes, but right. The first quarter, I excuse a little bit because ECU was going to come out hot. It was oh, senior yeah. day; the place was loud and rowdy. Right, like they they were going to come out hot, and as soon as they get the block punt and then don't score, that gave ECU the momentum they needed to carry them through the, that first quarter. Right. The problem for me is that not coming out of halftime and carrying over that second quarter. Like, that's where I – there's going to be ebb and flow. I get it. But but you have to come out. You got the ball. Yep. Like, you got the – they won the toss and took the opening kick, went three and out. You Like, everything was working in your favor, and you came out in the third quarter flat. Like, that, that can't happen – if you're going to continue on to achieve big, big things. Yeah. 
I mean, they they got it near you know the fifty yard line, but that that interception was a little weird by Des. You know, kind of a rush, just kind of lobbed it up, and a and a good interception by uh, by ECU. But then, yeah, as you mentioned, the the third quarter just kind of you know, and I don't want to think this because I I don't think it's the case, but it it just feels as if at times this team knows they can beat any team on their schedule, and when they anyone build up, in the country, yes, yeah, yeah, and when they build up that that score, I mean that's why that's why I think when they faced SMU, they were so locked in, and like so let like let's dominate because we we finally got a team like this, you know. And that second quarter, they they burst out. They should have been up twenty eight to nothing at halftime, but it, you know, of course that that fumble inside of the five yard line, sure, you know, maybe a field goal there at the end of the first uh, first half as well. But yeah, I. I don't know. I, I think that they they kind of understand that they've got it pretty easily in control. Um, but, you know, yet again, there in the fourth quarter, it was a chance for ECU to make it a game, for, for ECU to hang around and, and see if they can't somehow inch back in and make some sort of a crazy comeback. And then a big play happened, and that was the, the blocked field goal, as you mentioned, Aaron, and then a scoop and a score by none other than Mr. Sauce, Mr. Gardner. Mm-hmm. It's a good play. Really good play. Big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. Yeah. Well, and pe- people have been talking about how, how about, we – How about the beauty of that thing, though? If you watch it, him and Bush both had the corner. And Sauce sees Bush and stops yep. and waits for Bush to block it so he can go pick it up and run it for a touchdown. Like, he was just waiting patiently to scoop and score. It was beautiful. People well, have been talking it, all season, though, that we haven't seen the, the speed from Sauce. Like, that's been one of the things that I've seen, like, even, like, draft analysts. That's the dumbest shit. I, like, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I've seen draft analysts talk about we haven't seen the speed from Sauce because, A, they haven't been thrown to his side very often, and, B, that he's not been clocked as, like, one of the top fastest guys for Cincinnati this year. He was well out ahead of everyone on that play and just He's showing fast enough. <laughs> he was just showing what he can do with open field. Hey, hats up to ECU. They threw at him. They did. A couple he, times. he made they a beautiful did, play there in the end zone. They didn't do it successfully. No. But at least they weren't bitches about it. They're like, we're, we're coming at you. Like, that shouldn't surprise you, though. That's the way Holt Naylor's is. Like, he is ECU. Yeah. And then but, one thing. Go ahead. Every other quarterback this year has been like, nah, I'm cool, bro. We good. <laughs> well, then hats off to Arquan Bush as well. You know, I think uh, I think he's one of the uh, unsung, unsung heroes of the defense and, you know, special teams. He's really saying, okay, I'm going to let my name be known. And, you know, sure, Tyler Sneed has some good catches, but Sneed's just one of those players that, you know, he's going to constantly be open. And when when you have a little crease – to find a player like that, then Ehlers is looking his way the entire time. That's why you saw the Darian Beavers interception as well. Um, but, you know, and then, of course, you got the closer in, in Ryan Montgomery, who's becoming kind of that, that fourth quarter back when, you know, they need that, that quote, quote, style point as the time wears out. And Ryan Montgomery comes up big with that long run. But, you know, you got to talk about offensively. Alec Pierce, man. Chad, you gave him the player of the game on the – uh, bites that you posted, but 
man, he is just so good. There's, it's it's hard to really remember just a a wide receiver that big, that athletic, that fast. I mean, he should have had another touchdown on that on that ball that he was ten yards past the defense. You know, yeah, they had the wind, just to come back. Yeah. Right, right. But, but I, he is just phenomenal, and I mean that we have two more games, hopefully three, with Alec Pierce. Two more games, hopefully three, with Desmond Ritter. You know, all these players getting invited to the Reese's Senior Bowl. Yeah, you know, this is it's it's something that is unheralded for a lot of programs. And this and the Bearcats are going through all of that right now. And Alec Pierce was showing out, and he had a monster gash on his arm that looked awesome. I, I don't know how he got that or <laughs> what was going on there, but man, he looked like the, the Wolverine out there. But still, it was just a uh, an awesome, awesome game by Alec Pierce, and just evidence as we always mention how many weapons that this offense has and what makes him so special. And then the fact is, he was going up against an ECU quarterback who is touted as one of the best in the country. You know, I think Pro Football Focus had him as like their third-rated cornerback in the country, and so it's it's uh, awesome to see what this offense is doing when it does click. It's clicking at, on on all cylinders, and I don't know. I think it's uh, and plus that that Leonard Taylor play was amazing as well. So I can't say enough about how when this offense is clicking, it's it's really at a high level. Lenny's a, yeah. such a weird cat. Where I mean, he has these games where he shows you everything and leaves it all on the field and then these other games that he's had where he just like we, we saw in camp we, we talked about it when all the way back in in summer camp that he had the softest hands on the team and just sometimes you're like how how did you not catch that lenny you got the softest hand you're wide open what do you you got both hands on it i, I love lenny don't get me wrong but i'm just it's almost like that that tale of two cities it's a tale of two lennies like what <laughs> Which, which Lenny are you today? Are you, are you the guy with the soft hands, or are you the guy that is running before you have the ball? Well, on, on Friday, sometimes he's, having he's both hands, hands on it is a problem. Okay. Huh? You were both talking. I couldn't hear you. I said sometimes having both hands on it can be a problem. You weren't talking about football there. I got you now. Oh, no. It's, you know. Not huh. sure. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just tell me when I'm older. Very interesting. I'll tell you very, when I'm older. Very interesting. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think uh, you know. Obviously, you saw Jerome Ford have have some really special runs as well. Um, and then that Desmond Ritter play, where what third and fourteen backed into their own territory, spins out of a couple of sacks or potential sacks, and and fires one to your boy Aaron Trey Tucker for the uh, first down. I that's kind of. Jump started that second quarter a lot as well. So I don't know. I, I don't think there's much else really to take away from the ECU game. It, like people are going to be concerned and be frustrated with the performance in the second half and, and in the first quarter as well. But I mean, man, that, like this is yet another game where I watched it the entire time and I never once felt like, oh gosh, here we go. Like I'm nervous. And that's how it's been all season. I, I mean, maybe for like a second during the IU game in the first quarter, like I can't really think of a time all season where I've been like, oh gosh, I'm nervous. It's weird. What a, what a, what a terrible week for us to do our first YouTube video of this podcast. 
because we're all frantically like phones, social media, hundred like, percent, yeah, back forth, back like what a nightmare. But this is perfect BBP like form that this is the one that goes up on YouTube first because we're just a, we're we're a mess of trying to get as much information as we can to make sure by the time we put this podcast up <laughs> as it comes out hours outdated, right. right as it comes out <laughs> God. holy shit thank you brian kelly thank you brian kelly i i i don't know all right well i mean yeah ecu victory in the books 35 13 um, yeah, I don't have anything else. Like, I'm out on it. I'm done. Nah, yeah, that, I mean, that, they, was, that was that happened six months ago. When, <laughs> when, get out, get on that plane, come on home. I mean, hopefully, never go back to Greenville, back to the thick, as they call their uh, their not stadium. Evansville. No, oh, Evansville, the purple places, the purple pirates is what they start calling them a little bit. But, um, yeah, I, I called out on my article. I we, we had to we had to edit that. What'd you say? I wrote I wrote Evansville and not Greenville. Oh wow, Evansville, North Carolina. I wonder if there's an Evansville, there's, North there's Carolina. There's not an Evansville, North Carolina. I, I'm sure there is somewhere. Just they maybe don't have a college there. Just but like there's a, a lot of there are a lot of bills in North North Carolina is very bill heavy. The, yeah, like the, maybe like Asheville, Greenville. The the purples threw me off. That's what I'll go with. A guy named Evan randomly <laughs> established. <laughs> a small acre and called it his bill and that's Evansville. So yeah. Um, yeah. The big win uh, yet again. You think that's how in. Evansville got its name. You never know. Some really guy never. I mean, look at all the Columbuses out here. <laughs> anyway. Um, so what do you think? I love, I love taking Brent off the rails when we're supposed to be serious. <laughs> Because it just takes him a minute to get in his brain. Like, how am I going to get out of this with these idiots? I Man, love that, great. that that someone even acknowledged Brent on our last BBP comment section. Or I'm sorry, yeah, BBP comment section. That thank you, Brent, for keeping things on the rails instead of Chad and Aaron wandering aimlessly through whatever wilderness we get into. I mean, the the funny thing is, the rest of my life, I'm the one that's off the rails. So this is a a good time to lock in lock in, well, lock in. We, we experienced you off the rails like what two three weeks ago whatever that was that was uh that was that was me going on like maybe 20 minutes of sleep in a crazy weekend from the weekend before but <laughs> anyway um yeah so a win they move on houston this weekend initial thoughts on houston they, they've kind of been that team in the background because they weren't on the schedule initially but kind of that team that we always expected to be the team to face in the AAC championship. You know, Dana Holgerson, fantastic hair. Gotta love it. But aside from that. By that. I think, that? I think from the start, we all expected SMU to be the team. Oh, I that thought they would that face Houston for a second be time. right there. Yeah. I thought ah. it was Houston or SMU. Yes, those are the two. But I thought that if, because Houston played SMU at home. Yeah, since then I've thought Houston. Since well, no. they beat SMU, yes. Right, coming into I, the season, I did not have Houston as like top of this conference. I did not. Oh, I, Dana's done a great job. I did. I, everyone's been talking about their defense and things like that. I didn't have them above SMU per se, but they were that in that top three or four with UCF in there who 
Dylan Gabriel entered the transfer portal. I don't know. That kind of slipped through the cracks. So uh, interesting developments down there for, for Gus Gus. But nah, that makes sense. Gabriel never fit his offense. And he they almost, did get that crazy transfer, right? The former five-star or whatnot. He almost yeah. transferred before last season. Like that, that one didn't yeah. really surprise me. Right. But the way that the, the UCF fans really admire Mr. Dillon. Uh, but still, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, Houston, obviously, you, Dana Holgerson talked about it numerous times. How they don't like it being at Cincinnati. They think that it, you know, hope, he wishes it could be a neutral site game. They've got a a senior laden veteran team, just like Cincinnati does. It's a it's a chance for the Bearcats to have another signature win as they go into Decision Sunday, Selection Sunday. Gosh, college football playoff just trying to be so much like the NCAA tournament. It's it's insane, but still, it's. Do they really call it Decision Sunday? No, I I don't know what okay. they call it, but they call it. I, I mean, it, it's a it should. It's a Selection Sunday. It, yeah, what it is, but still. Um, I th- so you asked what chance. what you asked what our first impressions were on Houston, right. and my first impression on Houston is they feel disrespected, and they should, to be quite honest with you. They not. Not, not by Cincinnati. By the college football should, playoff. By college football, they should feel disrespected. Uh, the fact that they're I mean, still – yes, but they lost to Texas Tech. They yeah, didn't we, play Cincinnati. I understand, but you want to play the game of – you play your college schedule, and I get that. They lost to Texas Tech at home. There is that. But it was week one, and we all know how when you're a big program, you the early losses just somehow – disappear and so i i just don't understand how especially with a one i mean yes they haven't beat anybody on their schedule that is worth really mentioning but at the same time they beat everybody on their schedule if we had one loss we would be pissed that cincinnati had not jumped higher than what 21 where they're at i believe I mean, it kind of happened in 2019, didn't it? How high did they get in 2019? It wasn't very high. Who, Cincinnati? And, and go, yeah, going into the Memphis game, the only game they had lost was Ohio State. What, 18? Yeah, I mean, they weren't like... 16, maybe? Now, yeah, I, I mean, in the college football playoff. Oh, in the college football playoff, well, yeah. Huh. They, they didn't get a ton of respect back then. Cincinnati would still feel disrespected all the same. And, and I think they, they're probably feeling the same way. That's all That's I'm saying. I, I just, yeah. I, I think it's deservedly so that they feel disrespected. And I think that they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder. Dana Holgerson's already started the bulletin board material all week long about how this game should be played at a neutral site and all of that. So that's been, well, like, we know why this game's not played at a neutral site, right? Because it doesn't make sense to play it at a neutral site. It's you're the not American get, fucking athletic conference. You're not going to get 100,000 people at any, or even 60 for that matter. At you're not going to get 100 people. Like, as far as casual fans go, like, you'll get some from the, some from the schools. But, like, what are, you gonna, what are you maxing out for an American athletic conference championship game? 30,000? Where would you even play it? Right? It would have to be at yeah some some NFL stadium in the Somebody middle of everybody Nash, like Nash, Nashville. You're gonna play it in in the in the Titan <laughs> Stadium in Nashville, and, and you're gonna get twenty five thousand people in a seventy thousand seat stadium. Boy, 
That's going to be electric data, you drunken <laughs> dumbass. I do well, love Nashville, though. I'll tell you that. I, I hate Nashville. Well, yes, that one memory is bad. But other than that, I've had a blast in Nashville. That, Nashville is it? ruined like, for me. You could do it. I, I mean, New Orleans, it, like the aesthetics would look terrible if you had 25,000 in a 60,000 stadium. for Because I mean, at that point, you'd be asking fans to travel was, to not just the conference championship, but also to whatever bowl game and it in would the case look of like Cincinnati, potentially two bowl games. Look like a high school state championship game. No, thanks. I no mean, thanks. the American is too widespread. Let's face yeah. it. Yeah. It's just, it just is. And which is why I think it's good to just reward the team that has done that. And sure. It might also give that team the benefit of the doubt. Who's probably a little higher ranked in this college football playoff poll who, Maybe this was some some forward thinking by Mike Oresco and everybody to say, hey, if we've got a team that's positioned to make the college football playoff poll, wouldn't it just really suck if they lost in the AAC championship and that held them back from getting into it? So I, I'm sure maybe that was some sort of a talk that was behind closed doors as well. So you never know. Um, either way. I just, love I just love Mike Oresco's continuing to beat the drum of this is a power conference. Look at the teams that we have ranked in the top 25 of the CFP. And oh, no, I like I like his new narrative about the outgoing teams that, you know, the American was just as good to them as they were to the American. <laughs> OK, Mike. Yeah, sure, buddy. Well, we love you, Mike. Games at Nippert Stadium. Bearcats have won. You, Mike. <laughs> Bearcats have won. Because they won the second most games in a row. Mike, next time you come to Cincinnati, go to Danco Transmission. They'll get you hooked up. Mention the BVP. BVP. You'll get $10 off. The BVP, you'll get $10 off your next service. Get that oil change. But, yeah, uh, Clayton Toon, good quarterback. Um, I mean, but Cincinnati has just really had had the Cougars number. Uh, It's been – Is Clayton Toon really a good quarterback? I I think so, yes. I I think he's a good leader. I, I mean, I yeah, I mean, Lorenzo McCaskill is fantastic. Yes, he's good. I mean, obviously, he's what over a thousand. I'm pulling up the stats real fast because I he's I, outstanding, right? Yeah, he's oh, he's he's at 844 on the season. So, I mean, he's yeah. dealt with some injury and he's a some true freshman. So, yeah. But he runs, he runs hard. I and you he's look as at him. He's as good a back as you still see this season. Yeah, he looks like he looks like a senior, and he's only a freshman. That's a that's a big dude. I, I mean, Clayton Toon's over three thousand yards passing, twenty six touchdowns, only eight interceptions. He also runs the ball a little bit. Um, What's the best defense they faced though? Outside of Texas Tech. I mean, I, I don't even know if Texas Tech has a good defense. Um, right. I don't know. You're. You're throwing in the Navies, the Tulane's, East Carolina, the same defenses that Cincinnati faced. Oh, no, no, no. I know a really good defense they faced. UConn at UConn. That was, <laughs> that was a tough game. That was a real tough game. Gosh. How about that attendance at the UConn game? A whopping 12,000. Wow. I just like being reminded they have a football team. Yeah. Who knows why? But yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, arguably, what second or third? I'd, I'd say probably second toughest game with the amount of momentum that they have. Uh, you know, SMU came in a little reeling when they played Cincinnati. 
This Houston team's rattled off 11 straight wins. I, I mean, that's a – They're good. Their defense they're good. is very, very good. Their, their, their defensive line is a concern. Um, yeah. They get – they're aggressive. They get after the quarterback. So, I think, you know, offensively, you're going to have to find a way to use their aggression against them. Right. And, and it's not going to be sitting in the pocket – like looking to throw, like looking to hit shots. Like there can be some of that. I think you're going to have to go quicker than we've seen uh, in terms of, of when Des throws. I think they're going to have to try to get outside a little bit more. We've seen some of that as we didn't see it against ECU as much, but in the couple of weeks prior, we've seen them trying to work the ball on the perimeter, trying to get outside and, and get downhill from the outside. Um their defense is legit. Right. Their yeah. offense, Clayton Toon's okay. Like, he's okay. I, I, I don't think he's bad. I think he's prone to mistakes. And if you're going to throw the ball a lot on this Cincinnati defense, the one thing your quarterback can't be is prone to mistakes, right? Because you will get roasted. Oh, what? Maybe the third best quarterback they face this season? I mean, which is saying something, really. Either that there's not many good quarterbacks in college football, or it's just I just hope we get to see the defense do their damn thing against another quarterback who's trying to throw them. Really? Right. I think I think we will, hopefully. And and of course, don't kick it to Marcus Jones. Just no matter what you do, Alex Bale, keep kicking it out of the end zone or play, <laughs> you know, play keep away because I mean we also saw what happened when SMU so idiotically decided to kick it to Marcus Jones. With not enough time left, staring over time in the eye, kick it to Marcus Jones, he returns it for a touchdown. Keep it away from Marcus Jones. That's all I have to say about Marcus Jones. I'm with you. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, they're a good team. And and uh, today they did say, is, is it Donovan Mutton or is it Mutant? Um, I don't know exactly how you say it. They're I leading think, tackler. I think Mutton. Right. It, it's like, spelled, it's like spelled M-U-T-I-N. So. You usually would pronounce the U there, but um, Dana said he's going to be back, which, which it sounds crazy. Um, but, you know, he said there's no way he's going to miss this game. He's, he's kind of the big time player for them. Obviously we'll have more coverage on Houston leading up to the game. Chad, the, Chad and Dave do a really good job on the BCJ pod. Also, uh, you know, kind of highlighting the opponent for that week. And then I'll, I'll of course post the storylines article as well. So we'll have Houston broken down to a T, but still, it's a it's a great opportunity, another chance to have a a second signature, second hopefully ranked win, heading into Sunday. Um, and aside from that, there's not much else you can say. This team is playing for another AAC championship, three straight chances they won last year, obviously. Mm-hmm. So that's it. Football program um, is looking great. Where where I, would you rather want to be other than Cincinnati, Ohio, in college <laughs> football? Come on. I, I do want to bring in some some breaking news, if you will. Breaking um, news. Matt Matt Fortuna from the Athletic is pretty fantastic follow for everything going on right now with uh, Notre Dame stuff. Um, says this is how he was the one who who mentioned that the uh, the boosters seem blindsided by all of this. Um, is saying that this is how you this usually goes, but Brian Kelly has ghosted everyone at Notre Dame. Shocker, I know. Um, he didn't say that part. But uh, just spoke to one assistant who saw reports on his phone tonight as he was exiting a recruit's home. 
He said, the news broke when I walked out of the house, so I looked like a fucking asshole. And then he went on to uh, retweet uh, Pete Sampson, who's talking about that uh, if Notre Dame has to make a move at head coach, sources indicate there'll be some momentum among decision makers at the university to elevate Marcus Freeman. So there is that. What if what if Mark Marcus going to Notre Dame actually saved the day? Like remember the angst and the, like the the you know everybody got upset that Marcus would leave. What if him going to Notre Dame blocked Luke Fickle to Notre Dame? I'm here for it. Totally here talking, for it. You talk about taking one for the team. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, Marcus. <laughs> Would would Marcus stay there as defensive coordinator under under Luke? Probably no, not. A, not if he had a chance to come here and be the head oh. coach. Oh, true, true, true. Yes, yes, very true. Like this, this goes one of two ways, right? Yeah. Luke goes to Notre Dame. Marcus comes home, or Marcus becomes the head coach in Notre Dame, and Luke stays. Or and Matt it'd be, Campbell. It'd be really interesting to see where the Marcus comes fell. back. It'd be, it'd be really interesting to see where the pieces fell as far as the coaching staff at that point in time. What, if Marcus came back? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that if Cincinnati has a coaching if, opening. If we ever have to talk about that, we'll talk about that at that point. T-E-A-M. Luke Fickle to the moon. Build a statue. Here we go. Big game against Houston this weekend. Obviously, uh, all eyes on that. Nothing else going on in the college football landscape. And then Actually, we'll have the uh, college football playoff show. On there was time. one other thing that we haven't mentioned is because everything seems like it was six months ago, Mario Eugenio committed. Hey, hey, Mario. How about him saying that the crowd, the, the student section, how, how locked in are they? Chanting Mario numerous times. It was fantastic. Like His little brother, I, I, I talked about it. Last week, when we talked about the game that he was in attendance for, for uh, the last home game for homecoming, but or, or senior night, I'm sorry, um, all the same, I guess. Uh, but it was fantastic to see his little brother who's just running after the little ball and then to see the video emerge of him doing the, the ooh, see, like that was fantastic. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. What did he do again? The ooh, see. Oh, okay. He did the, oh, down, the he drive. Did down the drive. He did down the drive, but he couldn't say <laughs> UC or or. Well, that's if UC. you have a kid, you have UC. a kid, and you're a UC fan. You've taught them how to do down the drive, and you've experienced ooh, UC. Like you, you know exactly. That's why it was so adorable. Like we've all been there. We've all been there. It's beautiful. It is beautiful, and you know, I I think the last uh, more, more impressive than that was the the Super Mario graphic. Oh, that was really cool. Where he jumped and the flag goes in, it was best video flag. ever. And it was Cincinnati. That was ever. Phenomenal. Who did we think you said that to that? him, or I, I don't know, I don't know, but yeah, it was, it was no definitely, definitely really awesome. Um, and of course, you know, the uh, the last former Michigan commit kind of turned out pretty well. Uh, last former Michigan player turned out pretty well as well. We're talking about uh, James Hudson and of course Lenny Taylor. So, um, the more the merrier. Uh, he's he already accepted a invitation to the uh, All-American Bowl uh, down there in San Antonio, Texas. So that'll be something to, to keep an eye out on for him. That's uh, beginning of, of January. So, um, yeah, big-time signing, top-rated defensive player in program history ever since 247's been uh, 
did, getting did those rankings see, going? What, what's that? Did you see what Thamel reported LSU offered BK? What do we have? I haven't seen that. Seven years, $100 million. <laughs> Sheesh. Good for them. But I wonder how many of these contracts. That's $14 million a year. I wonder how many of these contracts are going to be written in the same way that Michigan State wrote their contract in that you basically can get out with a super cheap buyout if you aren't feeling where you're going with this, right? No, 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 no. You, you don't understand how. What, there's, two, there's two layers to buyout. Mel Tucker's contract is 100% guaranteed unless he gets fired for cause. Okay. I missed that. So, or that maybe that wasn't in the report that I read, but. Well, well, you just, you're not, you don't understand, you're, you're new to this in the media world. It's fair. Buyout is if somebody hires them away. Okay. What they have to pay to break the contract. If Michigan not- State breaks that contract and they don't have cause, Mel Tucker gets his $95 million. Unless a, a booster for Michigan State was so kind as to offer whatever team was interested just to get him out of there. <laughs> right. Wouldn't seven years, a hundred seven years, a hundred million dollars and seven. Fourteen point two eight. Five. It's four, it's fourteen plus, yeah. Fourteen point two eight five. I don't know what's after the decimal, but I know seven goes into a hundred fourteen times. I, I did. I did it on the calculator. Oh, see, I, I don't. I, I guess I could have. Right. right. I could. Fourteen two eight five. I went to public school in Northern well, Kentucky, I mean, so I did it up here. And you were talking about, you know, Lincoln Riley with the with the five hundred thousand here, five hundred thousand there to buy out houses. Like they didn't worry about any of that. They don't want to even deal with the real estate stuff. They're like, eh, we'll just give you the extra money to help you take care of all of that. You can keep that house in South Bend if you want, sir. Also, by the way, we're not giving you a six $6 million house when you come here. We'll just make up for it with extra decimals in your in your contract. It's fine. We'll just give you an extra four million dollars a year. Right. An extra four. That should take care of all of that. It's unbelievable. The money is unbelievable, man. 14? 14. What's well, continue talking. I'm gonna look up what. What Belichick is making, because I want to be able to compare that correctly. Golly. Well, interesting. So here we are. Um, the uh, Notre Dame job open. We touched on it at the beginning, and now we have circled all the way back to it. But estimated uh, 18 mil for Belichick, by the way, a year. So it's not quite NFL money. But it's damn close. What's Belichick at? 14. 18. Oh, that's a a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, he's got six. Count them. He's got one for the thumb. One for for each thumb. Convenient that that Brian Kelly became the all-time wins leader in Notre Dame this season as well. Or was he only five and Brady's got the sixth? No, Brady's got seven. Unbelievable. Just all of it. Anyway. All right, let's let's do some basketball so we can get yep. to this mailbag and I we, can fig- figure out what the hell is going on with my life right now. 
we got to touch on that that basketball team now because boy oh boy did we hop on this BBP last week. Speaking high elation, we were on cloud nine. I think that elation continued against uh, Arkansas in a hard fought battle that uh, went all the way down to the wire. Really good Arkansas team as well. Um, and then Saturday happened and a Monmouth team came in and that is a it's it's a good it's a good looking team if, if we're going to be completely honest with ourselves. Um, some some former quote unquote power six or power five uh, players, uh, you know, Wes's brother Walker didn't play too, too much in, at North Carolina, but still he was a player there for four seasons. And then, of course, you had the transfer from um, Seton Hall as well, who, who started every single game last season for the Pirates. But uh, it was one of those games where Cincinnati had so many open looks, could not knock him down. And then the end of the game happened. It seems like these these tough losses at home, especially at Fifth Third Arena against you know these these teams that are kind of lower to mid majors, um, they they normally happen with with a crazy ending. And this one had you know of course the missed free throw by Hayden Cobal. I'm not, I'm not going to put that against him at, at all. And then the uh, the very last play of the game. This is something that kind of drew me kind of strange where, you know, Mama threw the, threw the inbounds pass sideline inbounds and, and threw it over everybody out of bounds. And the result was it wasn't touched or anything. So Cincinnati had it sideline inbound with one second left on the clock. And then, you know, the clock operator, I, you know, it was what a some, mess that was. It was some, some, some confusion how much time was beyond the clock. Well, because when you inbound a ball and nobody touches it, there's no time that should have been yeah, no, run off the clock. No time off all. the clock. Right. And they had it at, you know, of course, they point put it. one. Well, 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 they put it at point one for a second. Then they had it 10 seconds. Then they put it back to point one. And then it was truly one second on the clock. That was where they, they settled with one second left on the clock, sideline inbound. And um we find out later in the postgame press conference that that Wes and his and, and the team was under the impression that it was 0.1 seconds on the clock. It would have still been tough to to catch and, and get a clean shot off and, and knock it down. But with with the shooting woes throughout the day, I could only imagine it that one prayer three might have been one of the ones that, that fell through. But still, it was a game that Cincinnati looked like they didn't play too terribly. Um, it looked like they were actually, you know, playing pretty strongly throughout the game. John Newman being out, who knows how much of an effect that had it on it truly. But I don't know, just another one of those weird games where they just couldn't figure it out and they let Monmouth come come back since he had, what, a 10-point lead in the second half. And still, Monmouth, the Hawks come back with, uh, with West Miller's brother, Walker Miller, and they pull off the 61-59 upset. Just a really, really weird game. I want to disagree with you entirely. I don't think they looked good throughout the entire game. Well, no, well I, I, not offensively. I, they missed shots. No. They missed shots. But you know what? Quite a few. Right. But you know what? They. It, it's not like Mama slash 46-50. Like, they, they didn't make it difficult for them to shoot. They got beat on the boards. They didn't play well. Right. Well, no, I'm, I'm just saying that. Okay. You're being I'll, Mr. Optimist. And then let, let, you let's, are. Let's, be, let's be Mr. Realist here for a second. They played I, like a team that should have lost the game. The main thing, Jeremiah Davenport. Was, every time Jeremiah Davenport shot the ball, I was I was concerned, um, especially you know with the 
ball in his hands with that last three that he took just missing by like three feet. It was short about three feet from the rim. Um, Mason looked off the entire game as well. Right. And he's a, you know, quote unquote, pure shooter. Um, I, I feel like I'm more and more comfortable every game. If we are trying to talk positives, more and more comfortable every game with the minutes that Ado is getting. Ado, um, I'm still unsure as to how we're pronouncing his name. Um, Cause I hear coaches say Ado. And then I hear Wes say a doe, and then I hear Chad say a doe. So I'm I'm still a duel. And he's um, still battling injuries, right? If I'm not mistaken, kind of just coming back from that Can we just call him a do a doe? Sure. That's fine. Okay. We'll, just, we'll call him a do a doe. Um, a doe, a doe, a deer. One, one of those two is right. It's either a do or a doe. So in one breath, we'll just call him a do a doe. Do a doe. I'm good do with that. Do. <laughs> um, it kind of flows off the tongue too so if you want to say anybody looked good it looked like a game where the julius was kind of taking the reins when davenport was off the entire game um he wasn't afraid to shoot the ball um and create those shots his step back is is looking better and better with every game that goes by and his just general demeanor on the court i think is still just a thing that continues to progress in the uh, trending up if you will um, same with Mike Adams Woods. I think you could say almost those exact same things that I just said about David DeJulius. You could say the same exact things for Mike Adams Woods. Right. Um, but, but like I said, I mean, there were just guys shooting the ball. Mason Madsen, three of 10 from the field, one of seven from three. Jeremiah Davenport, two of 10 from the field, oh, six from three. That's, that's hard to come back from. Odio Guama had good minutes as well. Uh, that was touched on as well in the in the postgame presser. Yeah. I, you know, I I guess yes. I, they didn't play well. Yes, let's say that. But still, this was a game that they they had every chance to win. You know, and so, and so every, what do you? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'll finish your thought. Well, no. So it, it just seemed like every wide open three that they had to kind of either put the game away or put it a little bit further out of reach, just rimmed out. You know. Um, and so I guess what were your like thoughts that, then? in games like that? My personal thought is stop shooting the three. You know, a lot of people kind of think that, okay, they'll, they'll eventually fall. You know, we'll trust ourselves. We make these shots all the time. They're eventually going to fall. Water will find us level. We heard that a lot the past few seasons, but hopefully never again. Um, <laughs> you mentioned all those. Yeah. One for four, one for six, one for seven, oh, for six. At some point you just kind of stop shooting them. So what were your thoughts, though, after the game? I don't know if you listened to the presser or not, but in the in the postgame presser, you had, or at least in the postgame radio show anyway, um, you had Wes Miller apologizing, literally apologizing to all of Bearcat Nation, to anyone listening, that he didn't have his guys ready to play. He didn't have the game plan in place. He didn't have, he, he said he never wants to have to do that again. But he took the onus on him and said, I wasn't ready. I wasn't the, the coach that I needed to be today. Chad, you're on mute. I don't know if you, you look like you're getting ready to spew a thought, but um, it was just. No, I know. Okay. Ownership. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, ownership. And uh, I think that's what true leader will do. Take ownership right away. And um, what, a, what a great coach would do as well is just take ownership right away. Because, yeah, you know, it's it was a game that was just. I don't know. I don't want to compare it to like the, the other games of the past where these tough losses have happened to 
lower to mid mid major teams. Monmouth is a team that's in the tournament yeah. regularly. King Rice is an outstanding coach. They have quality. They aren't in the tournament that roster. much. I don't think they haven't been in it for like over ten years. But because because Iona's in there is the main thing. But yes, they, they like they play for that. They play in that conference championship. Yeah. Like that's a team you're watching yeah. in championship week a lot. Like they almost they're, made it as an at large like. Six years ago, yeah. If, if you go to Vegas, basketball name. If yeah. you go to Vegas during tournament week, you're either placing a bet for or against them. Right at some point. So like, mm-hmm. Monmouth was know. the second I, I highest just... team on Ken Palm. If you want to break it down, like, outside of the, uh, well, the highest outside of the two teams they faced in Kansas City. So um, that's a, yeah, it's, it's it's a, a good, tough it's team. A good, it's a good team. They didn't play well. When right. you don't play well, again, that's, it's a quality team. I don't want to say, like, it's not a good, like, right. they wouldn't finish top five in the American or anything crazy. But look around college basketball. If you don't play well against a team that has good talent, you are prone to losing. And, and the thing is, as bad as they played, if they do a couple little things, they still win. Right. Right. When Micah missed those two free throws, I, I was like, it, it's not happening. They're not getting out of this game with the win. And under then they 50%. still. Right. Under 50% from the free throw line, four of 28 from three. Like, that's awful. Awful. That's not good. Like, I didn't feel good watching this game. That's awful. Got to play better. I mean, when you build a 10-point lead against a team like this, that, that you are – more talented than and you know this is a this is a team that is not deep this is a team that has eight players in their rotation consistently and a team that i thought that cincinnati was going to just try and run get them going like you know let's let's go high scoring let's let's try and you know get, uh, instead of hoisting up 28 threes i you know it, it just is it's it's a lot of that freedom movement but yeah i mean nine of 20 from the free throw line that all all of our hopes of uh this team turning it around with, with their performances from the stripe over the past, what, five games or, or four games or whatnot, kind of get tossed to the wayside with a nine of 20 performance. Yes, it was, it was just one of those weird Saturday games that a 2 p.m. tip, just all of it kind of mixed together where, I don't know. It's even worse if you look at just the second half where they were one of 11 from three and two of 10 from the free throw line. Like, you can't. You can't do an entire second half at 9% from three and 20% from the free throw line. That's horrendous. And you still had Hayden go to the free throw line with, with a chance to knock down two, send it to overtime, and then anything happens. But still, um, I don't know. Very long season, though. You know, it is. And, and like Chad said, I, 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 I mean, mean I, I, I say all, all the things that I say negatively. I still feel good about this team. I think they're still day. I think they're trending up. I think absolutely they had a a shit day. And Monmouth is now behind them. To your point, this was the best team out of the the two teams that we saw in Kansas City on the Ken Palm list. There's some credence to that. Um, but all of that said, let's put it behind us, move on. Wes apologized. You can't continue to do that. So he used that move at this point in time, but you can't continue to do that for shit games so you got to figure it out you got to figure it out quick yeah they do i and i mean so what at miami ohio this weekend is sorry this wednesday it's a big game i mean my, my, miami ohio 
if they didn't lose, you know, their game over the weekend, then they would be coming into this one undefeated. Uh, they, they dropped one to Western Illinois. So, but games in Oxford, it's a, uh, it's a chance if, if my Ohio keeps winning, it, it's a chance for a, uh, not a signature win, but a, a decent win right now. It's, it's on that B level. Um, in the land that the uh, Aaron Smith family built, Oxford, Ohio. So it, it should Obama be. Obama has Miami as a favorite. Yeah. They've got him as a, actually a one-point dog right now. It's. Earlier today, they were favored. It's, so. it's, it's 70-69 is the final score. But, and, and they give Cincy a 51% chance. So it's, it's pretty much, a, they're saying it's a tie game. Um, it's also a get right game if you're trying to figure it out. Yeah, because because then you play play Bryant on Saturday, then you have a week off, and it's the first conference <laughs> cross that shootout for West Miller. So, um, yeah, it's Dave, Dave. Dave just sent me a text and asked if I had my one name hot board ready. So I so I got it under control. <laughs> wouldn't that be Wouldn't that be hilarious if, if Luke if it if it did happen? Luke leaves, and I just put up a hot board. Hot board V one point Marcus Freeman, and like I don't, I don't even have to like don't. Even, I just put a picture. I put his name, and like that's the article. <laughs> By the way, Brent, you said uh, Bryant was Saturday. Uh, Saturday would be conflicting. Sunday, 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 football Sunday. Game. It is yep, Sunday. Sunday. Sunday at seven p.m., which is uh, not oh, ideal for me. Not ideal. Woof. Because I, uh, I will be staying the night on Saturday night after the game, and then. <laughs> I have to figure something out all day Sunday for a 7 p.m. Bryant tip-off. Um, On ESPN three, right? Can we get can we get that during the day? Can we get a two o'clock tip on that three something? <laughs> it's not as bad as that yeah. Super Bowl that they did adjust though. Yeah, yeah, that was that I was I was pissed about that one. <laughs> but still, yeah, I mean, I don't know. The greatest thing about college basketball is that your season isn't decided in November. It is, it's not anything like college football in that sense. Losses do matter. Yes. But you have so much time to, to write the ship and I'm still all in. I'm still high on the team. And uh, I, I don't know, I, you know, maybe Newman being out was a big factor. I think that he does bring that, that extra something at least a player too. Um, leadership at the very least right right you know some defense as well where where it, you know what the leading scorer for monmouth in that game he's like their their worst shooting player on the season that marcus mcclary who just couldn't miss that would have been who john newman would have been guarding so you know just a lot of different things that go into it um yep in the end it's one loss in november there's so much basketball to be played. The chance for them to really just get right back on track with their first true road game on Wednesday night against Miami. So that's the best thing about, about college basketball. It's right there. Put that behind you and move on. So um, let's see here. We already touched on Mario Eugenio. Anything basketball recruiting-wise before we hop into the mailbag? I think it's kind of really. just so quiet. Obviously, they're going after Mr. Collier really hard. He – I, I keep seeing his highlights pop up on, on Twitter, and it seems like he is doing something spectacular every uh, every single weekend. So um, we'll obviously keep an eye out on that one. Uh, but as far as that, Aaron? 
Set that mailbag. I think it's time. I think it's time. Still. All right. Hey, hey, two feet in, ten toes down, all in. Wes Miller, let's go. Bearcat basketball, baby. If you want to sponsor the BCJ mailbag, which is the hottest segment in Cincinnati sports entertainment, hit up. My my DMs are open. (laughs) All right. Uh, do you know if there's a possibility of a CFP watch party on Sunday for fans to attend, assuming we and Georgia win, similar to the 2008 and 2009 BCS announcements? An event like this would also be the perfect time to announce Luke's contract extension. One, I haven't heard of anything. Two, go look at Luke's last contract extension that wasn't announced officially for like six months after it was agreed in principle. They're not announcing anything this week. I don't think. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't get the sense that anything is to the point where, like, a contract extension is going to be announced. All right. Um, I know that was said mostly in jest, but as far as as far as the uh, CFP watch party on Sunday, nothing. I, I just, no, I haven't heard anything. I answered that already. Are you Are you listening? I only heard the Luke Fickle part. I was reading ahead on the questions to make sure I didn't do what Dave doesn't like me to do, which is read the answers to other people's questions. Man, all I know is if is if uh, Sunday, man, why? I don't even want to. Nope, knock on wood. Let's move on. Do you expect the five remaining spots in the class to be filled and signed in December? Percent chances that no. one of the five remaining spots are filled by a kid rated higher than Eugenio? Uh, no, I do not expect the five remaining spots to be filled in December. And uh, considering they've never had a defensive recruit higher than Eugenio, and they've only had four other recruits higher than him in the entire history of the program commit to Cincinnati, uh, I'll place the odds at carry the one under, drag the two, 18.7%. That it'll That's be somebody else. So you're saying that there's a chance. <laughs> always a chance. Always welcome, a chance. welcome, Marcus. Bring all those five stars. I think it's been talked about at the beginning of the oh, season, but anyway. Huh? There's a whole lot of shit happening right now. Who knows what the decommitment market's going to look like Christ by the time God. we get to signing that? Ourselves included. I think it's been talked about at the beginning of the season, but any reason we are seeing every DB play press man, but Kobe, I noticed it several times against ECU that both sauce and Bush were pressed, but then Kobe would be six, seven yards off the line and is playing a bail technique. That's just clearly something that's part of Trestle's scheme as he wants that field corner, uh, not pressed. I mean, it, it, I'm sure it's as is almost always the case in football. Well, it's a numbers game. You have three guys pressed and they all get beat. You only have two safeties, right? So I'm sure it has to do with risk management. Um, I don't love it. Uh, you know, we saw, we still saw it. It's something we saw with Marcus. It was just less frequent because Marcus liked to, to get after it. So you saw three guys in press a lot more than what we're seeing with Trestle. But it's a, you know, it's a protect yourself thing so that you don't have receivers just running wide open all over the back end of your defense. And let's be honest, it, it paid off for Kobe as he's up for the Jim Thorpe Award. He's had a great year. 
the only time that I don't like it is is when it's at third and five, third and six, because I think teams are yeah the free release teams just take the free release teams are, yeah, yeah they're advantage. starting to scheme with that yeah. All right, is Dana Holgerson's complaints about the game in Nippert more about weather impact or home field impact? Assuming the latter, considering his mullet should keep the back of his neck plenty warm, just where I had to keep the ball top warm. Yes, Jay Freeman. Yeah, that was a good chance to get a shot in. I like I like the shots. Uh, it's obviously just playing Nippert. Like it's yeah. it's one of the loudest, most rowdy, most difficult environments to play in in American college sports. So. Of course, he they, they they haven't lost there in what 26, 27 games, whatever the number is now. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's what he's worried. That's what he's worried about. That place is going to be a zoo on Saturday afternoon. Saturday, like, a high of 49, not bad, but it's gonna get cold quick. Low of 29. Yeah. I mean, it's it's what I like to refer to. As, all- it's what I like to refer to as the nip slip at night where you get you know, Whoa. nipper during the day and then nip at night at night. <laughs> Someone check your Google past search. No, I, I dropped that during the, the PTP last week and I got kudos good. for it at the, at the basketball game. It's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. It's pretty good. Nip slip at night. You're welcome. Um, Everyone loves loves it. Yes. Here, here's here's, here, here's a, a pro tip for everybody if you have this problem my problem is when you get the nip slip right the, my my almost my whole body is fine my toes get freezing when the temperature drops in that stadium mm. so i buy hand warmers put them in my shoes outside of the socks not inside the socks because you can burn yourself mm. outside of the socks they'll bunch up underneath your toes if you do it right and then that way it keeps your toesies warm people don't think of putting the hand warmers in shoes hand warmers in the shoes all right aaron what are you going to do just 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 a pro tip up in the press box up in the press box until the fourth quarter like i always do and by then it'll be fine we'll be going into the uh the press conference shortly thereafter it'll be all right i believe in you uh, are you surprised by the Should I bring him an extra pair of hand warmers just in case? <laughs> I think yes. I think yes. Probably, yeah. Are you surprised by the lack of all conference players we have on the offensive line? Only one I see is Jeremy Cooper. This is according to the PFF article. Also, does Houston have the best O-line we're going to play against this year? I'm not surprised because if you're if you paid attention to PFF, the offensive line hasn't graded out really high all year. Or last year. And that's yeah. I mean, well, Hudson graded out pretty right. Yeah. Right. But yeah, so no, I'm not I'm not overly shocked. Um is Houston the best line all year? Well, it was not Notre Dame. I'd probably go with Tulsa. <laughs> it was not yeah. Notre Dame. Tulsa I got two, two NFL tackles. Controlled the line of scrimmage. They can and they and they're good in the middle too. They got size. Mm-hmm. They controlled the, the the pace of that game. Uh, I'd probably go with, with Tulsa. Yeah, I would um, a follow up question from UC Merck is: uh, Would love a breakdown by position group of the best units we've played this year versus the upcoming opponents' position group. Um, that's that's an awful lot. 
Merv, come on, man. <laughs> come on. We we just we were always late coming into the mailbag, but the quarterback, and- no. Running back, eh, no. Notre Dame better. Wide receivers, eh, no. All right, let's continue. All right. Uh, do you think Dana would be complaining if the game were in Houston? No. Absolutely not. No. Of course not. And I don't think Luke would be complaining either. He might he might say one little little side comment, but I don't think he'd be putting it out there on the airwaves. Well, what would he say? Houston's this. got a, a great advantage playing yeah. at home. We we saw what that advantage can mean when we played Tulsa at home last year. Right, but, but I that think, would be the extent of it. Yeah, I think he'd, he'd need to be like really asked it and, and get it out of him type thing. Ed's the worst, not putting sentences together, even though he's trying to make a joke about your vehicle's car warranty. Um, could we win this game if Dez got hurt early and could not return? Has Evan been prepared well enough to open and execute the playbook? Which was followed up was Ritter went ready to take over the QB duties at UCLA a few years ago? Yes. <clears throat> we don't know. I mean, wasn't the talk. We don't know until it happens. But wasn't the talk during the UCLA game that that they were loving Ritter leading into that UCLA game and like you know thinking that he could easily win win the job? He was making big strides in practice and stuff. I remember back before I was working for a Bearcat Journal, reading about that on yeah. But how Bearcat how much Journal. how much was that that they had no faith in Hayden Moore? No, I agree. Right? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying that at that point they were ready to do it if they needed to, and they did do it pretty quickly um but as far as the other one i think it goes back to the luke fickle saying three phases complimentary football i think it would obviously change things up but you would then heavily rely on your defense and your special teams in your run game in the run game yeah exactly there would be a lot of read option if if they were forced to play evan in a situation like this and And why even bring that into the world Knock on wood. Knock don't, on wood. Don't Jeez, speak man. this shit into existence. Get this out is, of here. This has been just a whole entire BBP full of knock on woods. God damn it. All right. Just with uh, one hand, not two. What do you think the source of the O-line's issues during the ECU game was? We had one great quarter, then couldn't block a thing the rest of the game. I think ECU got really aggressive. Their defense is tough. started bringing numbers, yeah. They have a fantastic efficiency rate. And they were thumping too, man. They were they were hitting hard. That was probably the the one game I remember the defense kind of just just bringing it. Well, they're, they're still they're, they're still they're just prob- as physical as you see. Yeah, they're st- they're still probably mad about last year. Of course, <laughs> they did talk about that. Yeah. So there's there's certainly some some residual uh, feelings there. Uh, with the portal getting hot, I see defensive end getting thrown around a lot as a need. Was thinking Rob Jackson would step into the role next year as the kid is fucking huge. Is he seen as a more inside guy or as a project player? And that was with two G's on that word. I, I think he's an edge. I just think he's more. I don't think he's my shit, right? Like right. you want your pass rusher to be twitchy, to be quick, to be fast. In in most instances, I think you know, where you would probably see Rob Jackson project would be over where like Malik is, Jabari Taylor is. Uh, we've seen Jawan Briggs there with Malik Hurt. 
Um, I think that would probably be his future much more so than his like twitchy edge pass rusher. They're still like, they, they just got Mario. We've heard they're still involved with Sterling Lane, who was committed to Arizona. Who's kind of that like hybrid outside linebacker, rush edge type guy. Um, you know, those are the types that they're looking for. I, I would have like, if they take Sterling Lane, it would be difficult, I think, to go into the transfer portal and take another – because you've got a crap ton of D linemen in this recruiting class. So, what, you're going to take seven, eight defensive linemen in this recruiting class? I think that would be difficult, but they definitely need somebody that's going to step in from IJ next year and give them that that athletic threat off the off the edge defensively. And then and then on the roster, I you know, I obviously he's probably have a long way to go, but Jamal Williams wasn't he turning some heads kind of Yeah, I like that, I like what I've seen from Jamal. Yeah. That true freshman. He's long, type. he's athletic. Yeah. yeah. Got he that fits build. the criteria that I'm talking about. Exactly. True. Exactly. Just can he make that big leap? Because obviously and even if it's just for a couple of snaps. I mean, could he could he just bring that? I think maybe, but I think we could see. I mean, you know, they're only using three down linemen. We could see for only using three, they could rotate a lot of guys through that that next year, trying to find who's the guy, like who can make the impact. And and we kind of saw the the jumbo the jumbo pass rush package at times this this season, like like at the end of the Notre Dame game, Malik was out there with Jabari Taylor, and then you know Marcus Brown or Curtis Brooks in the middle as well so um yeah tackle's going to be the more interesting one like right eric phillips would seem to have the edge there i think dominique perry has a bright future there uh and and you're gonna get you're gonna get dante corleo next year and then watley as well as someone that i think can be used in numerous different ways so yeah Mm -hmm. cupboard is not bare it's not bare is a completely healthy and focused to perform Montgomery a better option than a 75% healthy Jerome Ford? Probably not. And that's not to take anything away from Monty at this point, but Jerome's still, even, even limited, he's still really good, man. I he's mean, still if, getting right. 80, 90 yards playing limited. If he's limited and he had that one like 30-yard run that he had where he broke like six tackles against ECU that's really right. trying their hardest to to bring the boom, then I mean I'll take a 75% healthy forward every day of the week. He's really good. Like really, really good. Uh the next question is from a guy I went to high school with, uh Zebo. Oh. Um Aaron, discuss Prater's progression. If his throwing has improved, and if so, how much? Should some competition be brought in, or does he look like the guy? Answer this question first, um, and then I'll get to where he was directing his question more so at me. Um, but I, I would say Prater's progression, I think I think he looks good. I mean, what we saw, especially during summer camp, he's got a fantastic deep ball. And, I mean, I, I put it up there with Dez's deep ball. I think that where he struggles is in the intermediate passes a little bit more uh, than maybe what we've seen of Dez this year. Um, should competition be brought in? Absolutely. Why 
you'd be, especially with the way that the transfer portal is right now, I think you'd be kind of hurting yourself if you weren't bringing competition in to press him for snaps. Yeah. I, I mean, I've said they bring in a veteran. We'll see who. I mean, I, you know, Spencer Rattler put UC in his list today. I don't have any indication yet that Spencer Rattler is like a serious name to monitor for UC. But I, I do think there's a chance, a pretty good chance, that you see a veteran brought in and, you know, have him challenge Prater. And, and I'd agree. Like, I, I think Evan still is developing that, that middle game. And one of the only ways you really can do that is to get the feel for what it looks like against somebody else right so but he's having a chance to develop against you know a great defense week in and week out so and and man he looks swaggy when he's on the field (laughs) and especially running the ball oh man i he he is uh i'm so excited to see i i love desmond ritter with all my heart and you can read you can read all my past articles i've been a Desmond Ritter stand, but uh, man, I I am very excited to see what Evan Prater will do next season as well. So that that I am confident in. All right. So the second part of this question, which I'll have to answer, um, I don't listen often, but you mentioned in one podcast that Corrine stole all of our Northwest players. Uh, that wasn't true for your for your and my class, two thousand two. We beat them by several touchdowns in our first. What's this have to do with UC? Um, I mean, it just gets back to something I said during the podcast. I was just going to okay. answer it real quick. All right. Thank so to, to answer the second part of your question without reading all of it, um, my dad, I love him. I, he's been gone for, for several years. I was a Coleraine graduate and joked with him all the time that Coleraine would always steal Northwest players. I had no actual evidence to that, uh, but Coleraine always seemed to be in the school district that we grew up in the better of the two schools. And that was just kind of an ongoing joke that has just kind of become a uh, statement of fact in my life, whether it's true or not is, is kind of beyond me, but that's just kind of where we are with that. So that's the answer to your long question there, Zach. So thank you for that. Um, how do you think Georgia will play against us this year in Indianapolis compared to the home cooking they had in <laughs> Georgia plays like Georgia. They line up. They try to hit you in the mouth on both sides of the ball. That's what they do. That's what they do. But I like what Red and Black said this year in Indianapolis. I, mean, I will take it. I will take it. It'll be interesting to see wow. how Georgia fares as far as uh, ticket sales go in Indianapolis compared to Cincinnati because we already saw how they they did – at Notre Dame. I mean, I mean, the main thing that I don't like is in that scenario, the it would be Cincinnati and the Cotton Bowl, right? As as the three seed, which I don't know. Not if they're playing never in Indianapolis. Well, I would, Indianapolis this was the championship. The right. question was Indianapolis. Well, no, well, no, I'm saying I'm saying it, it, they would meet Georgia in the national championship, which Georgia would probably be number one still, which means Cincinnati would have to be number three playing in, in Dallas instead of Miami. I'd much rather play in Miami. What I, what I, what I, what, but what I would say there is Indianapolis would be a Benzinati 
in that you can make that trip in the morning, right? Like you don't have to, like if you go to Dallas, if a bunch of people go to Dallas and watch the game in Dallas, they can come back and still national title trip without having to like mortgage the right. farm. Right, right. The trip right? to Indianapolis, you just, you just drive back an hour, two hours to Cincinnati. And, to and it's a Monday night too, so that's a... The trip to Indianapolis right now from Cincinnati is awful, though. There is construction on every major highway to get Indian no, Indianapolis. It's not that bad. It's terrible. I moving on five times a month. It ain't bad. Going into no, you as opposed don't. To... <laughs> <What>? <laughs> uh, do, do you attribute the lack of buzz regarding a new contract for Luke to the fact Got that him works quietly, or are we focusing all fundraising on the IPF? There's stuff going on in terms of Luke's compensation. None of that ever gets out from their side. And like I said, the last time they had agreed to the terms and we didn't hear about it finalized for six months. So I wouldn't look too heavy into it. It's how they operate. This is a good next question. Uh, how excited are you guys for Pete Samuel coming on Coffee with H- Cunningham after the recent coaching changes? That'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I just really hope that. Really that... I, what's Pete going to say, say, though? I mean, don't the fans get to get to ask the questions? I've, I've, I've never attended a. Uh... Kind of. Kind of. Coffee with Cunningham. Yeah, it's probably very modern. They submit questions. Yeah. I'm sure Cunningham's not going to allow any of the uh, real, real uh, hard-hitting questions to get through. So, I won't. Yeah. Uh, and the last question to round out the football section of the mailbag: How much Advil are you going to need after today? <laughs> uh, my Advil comes in the form of red wine, and uh, yeah, there will be a lot consumed. I mean, I'm good. Like I live for this shit. Let's go. I mean, I live for it too, but man, it's a little better with a little red wine. I'll tell you that much. All right, moving on to the basketball mailbag. At this point in the season, Mason Madsen has the worst three-point percentage on the team. Do you think the constant subbing could be affecting his ability to find a rhythm? Are there any adjustments that can be made to unlock his shooting? I like. I I think one of his problems is is he takes balanced shots more than anybody else. Um, he has missed some clean looks that he usually doesn't miss, but I think he needs to do a better job over time, getting his base set and shooting square. Um, because when he does, he's a good, a really good three point shooter. I just think he's, he's a streaky shooter. So when he sees it go in, he's a guy that can put up another three or four. And when you're dealing with the small sample size of the season, like let's say he has a five for seven game. All of a sudden, he's the best three-point shooter on the team. Right. So I, 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 six games in, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't look too, too deep into it. I think it has nothing to do with the constant subbing. Uh, I think that's one of the pluses of this team. So I, I, I don't find that to be right. something that is a worry or concern. 
Uh, is John Newman the third really the missing ingredient Saturday's loss beyond the four of 28 and nine of 20? Two points is a one possession, and he brings energy that was missing along with other intangibles. He was definitely a major factor. As we've talked about, they're not deep. And he's a starter at the three, and they're not deep at the three. So having him definitely changes a lot about that game, for sure. The guy that he would have guarded scored 18 points and was is hitting shots left and right. The re- big reason why they came back in the second half. Well, so. the, the biggest question mark on Newman this season has been his shooting as opposed to his defense. His defense has been as expected. So I'm, I'm with you on, on all both counts. Uh, Wes is alluded for the second straight game, both losses, that Odio Guama needs to see more court time. Do you expect him to be a 20-plus minute guy moving forward? Situational. Um, but yeah, I think there will be games we see him at 20 plus for sure. But I think he loves Hayden at the five in crunch time. Um, and then I think uh, a doe, a do, is that what we're saying? Or yeah, do a doe, I do a doe, I do a doe as well as just progressively getting better and better. I don't know, health, health wise with his risk early in the season and then up, you know, other sorts of that. So I mean, it's going to still be that log jam down low, um, especially with Victor Locken doing what he's been doing and, and things of that sort. So I think the main move has to be Jeremiah Davenport to the three and kind of have him, him and new yes. be that be that one, two at the three. And then that opens the door for the four bigs to kind of eat up more minutes down low in the post. Cause rebounding is an issue. I mean, there's no, there's no way around. I, I think, I think they, they, out rebound in Monmouth, but still, I that's a big reason why they lost that Arkansas game. And I don't know. Um, which part do you disagree with the the Jeremiah at the three? I, offense offensively, I don't think he can play the three. Yeah, I think he's best suited to play as a spot up shooter at the four. Right, and we've seen he struggles to guard both. So. If his best offensive position is the four and he struggles to guard both, can, can you – is it doing him a service to have him play the three that he's not as good offensively and still not, you know, a, a, a high-level option defensively? I, you're both sides of the floor there. I, right. like, I know they want to try – him up to speed at the three but until i see it i haven't seen him really be a difference maker at the three yet which i think is why which is i mean i think if it was a foregone conclusion it would have already happened you know it would have been implemented immediately and so yeah i don't know it'll be interesting (laughs) to see so Especially with with John Newman out, you would have thought that could have been the perfect chance for him to to move over to that three role with more bigs getting in. But it is what it is. And by the way, ten years one fifty was the final number on on Kelly. Just buku, buku. Fifteen per. That's insane. Um, what? Ten years one fifty, and he's he's sixty years old. Is that from Thamel? Yeah. Dennis Dodd said, said coming from, from Pete Thamel. 
Holy shit. Why wouldn't Pete what Thamel put that doing? out? Ten... Might be in the middle of something. <laughs> Brian Kelly to LSU know. confirmed. Pete Thamel first. Hearing salary will be $15 million per year. Chad's, Chad's internet seems to be struggling mightily right now. A lot of a lot of bandwidth. A, a, a lot happening really? over there. Yeah. This is not my That's weird. You're lagging a tiny bit. Usually I can tell. Let's be honest. We're all lagging. We're all lagging, man. Man. We all don't know what's going on. We're freaking out, man. <laughs> we are freaking out, man. man. Uh, who do you think is in our best lineup after watching the first seven games? Is it time to start cutting back quick subbing of players a little bit? No. I mean, it's it's game, no. it's game what, eight? I think that's, that's still a, a big positive of this team is that we have – you don't have guys el- – you don't have guys elevating at this point, unfortunately, to where you can't justify the subs. Right. All right. Uh, question. Are you concerned on the slow starts? It takes us to score at least 10 or more points time left in half this year. It's been 1129, 1146, 1620, 1154, 1149, 945, and 1313 compared to last year. It was 1244, 1439, 1309, 1311, 1608. Also, during a non Aaron, I mean, I, I get what he's saying. What do we know? What do we know? What do we know about this team? What did we talk about from the start? This is going to be a team that is offensive. So, can we really be surprised when they're when they do things that show that they're offensively challenged? We know this is what we knew about this team coming in. It's, Bas- it's difficult. Basketball it's- is a game of runs, man, and so. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, everyone stop wants to start the hot. run. Can't stop the run. <laughs> I mean, everyone wants to start out fast. That's that's definitely the number one goal for every team. But uh, I mean, I I don't know. Yes, it, is it something to be concerned of? Yes, but like you said, Chad, we also talk about how this team has these times where they go on that that little burst and they they have that that chance to kind of kind of cling on to that. And some games that might happen in the beginning. So, um, I don't know. Yes, it's a concern, but I think David DeJulius is rounding into form and, and gaining confidence. And who knows, if he can get hot in the beginning and then you have one or two threes, hopefully, from uh, Jeremiah, then, yeah, that's a hot start. But if not, then you just got to be able to finish strong as well. Uh, nickname for Vic, the czar. Thoughts followed by, I like super czar. Victor will always be my nickname for <laughs> self anointed self anointed Victor. What a good throwback. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think to, to be czar, you have to be the guy who's leading in something. And right now, the only thing that I think he's in competition for is highest energy guy. You're not the leading rebounder, you're not the leading scorer. 
you can't be the czar quite yet. Okay. But maybe in the making. Perhaps. I think it's something to tuck away for a rainy day. He is rushing his way to becoming the czar. I'm embarrassed to know you at this point. All right. What's what's right below czar? Um, I don't know that Putin has anybody below him. Yeah, everyone is below him. Peasant is actually below czar. Czar. <laughs> All right, that is the Bearcat basketball mailbag. Moving into the mailbag that you either love or you hate. At this point, turn it off if you don't want to hear. But moving into the Banks mailbag. Uh, moving back to television, who from BCJ plays what role in The Office and why is fake John Goble playing Kevin? Follow-up question and continuing with The Office scene. Assuming Aaron is framed by Brent for the Scranton Strangler murders and sent to death row, what would you have for your last meal? P.S. Fuck Caillou. <laughs> Fuck Caillou. <laughs> I mean, I think you have to go with galactic fried chicken for your last meal, right? Uh, I mean, time will tell. Aaron, what's your answer? For my last meal? Yeah. I mean, man, there's so many meals I haven't tried. Well, well, uh, well you got to go with something that you love, though. I, I think I'd go a, a nice surf and yeah, turf. Yeah, what's your favorite meal? I think I'd go a nice surf and turf. From Jeff Ruby's. I've I've never been to Jeff Ruby's. Oh, they're a little out of my price range. From from uh, Outback Steakhouse. I mean, that's where I've been able to. Eat. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, don't get me maybe wrong. Maybe what we'll do with the first month of sponsors. Maybe what we'll do with the first month of sponsorship money is I'll take you guys to Jeff Ruby's. I've been, but I would love to go back. Don't threaten me with a good time. We're going to get Brett driving all the way in from Missouri or whatever state he lives in. Missouri? If, you if know where I Ruby live. <laughs> oh, Brett. I thought you said Brent. I was going to say no, Missouri. Brett. You know Brett. where I live. I, I wasn't talking about the whole staff. I got like 20 people now. Easy. You did this to yourself. They're, they're, the sponsors are that much. Yeah, well, I mean... We all know that the the staff Christmas party is going to be catered by Dine in Hawaiian. Can't wait. <laughs> but uh, uh, okay, who who for who in the office? I I think I am a uh, I, I as much as I want to be the big tuna. I don't think I'm the big tuna, but I think I am the guy who would be in the men's quartet what do you watch the office yeah but not religiously so so i I would be ed uh what's his last name's character um the guy from the guy from uh hungover ed helms yes i'd be ed helms 100 percent. okay helms yeah all righty I mean, I have to be Michael, right? Yeah. Like, there's no, we don't, we don't really have a choice there. But I, I think I that makes, I think guy. that makes Dave D- Dwight. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dave's Dwight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's Jeff. 
I'll take Jim. Who's Jim? I'll You're not. I was kind of pegging it. Okay, I was kind of pegging. I was kind of pegging Aaron as Jim a little bit. I mean, I wanted to be Jim, and I I, I couldn't self anoint myself as Jim. I think I'd be Ed Helms. You're Andy Bernard. Okay. Who do we make? Brent. Do we make Brent uh, Spader? James Spader. The guy <laughs> when he came in to fill in for Michael Scott. I think that's fantastic, actually. Oh, the guy who uses big words for no reason and has a pool party just because. Yeah, like. Yep. I think he'd be um, the think, perfect James Spader. And I, I love, like, there's no James Spader fan for me. I love James Spader. I, I think Mick would be, uh, what's what's the guy who always dated uh, Kelly Kapoor? But wouldn't admit to dating Kelly Kapoor? He was like an actual creator I, I'm, of the show. I'm bad. Ryan Howard? Yes. Yes, I'm Ryan. Bad. He would be Ryan. <laughs> oh, man. Um, who who else do we got to get to here? Uh, Boston. I don't, I don't know Boston well enough to give. Would would Brett be would Brett be Toby? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Or or would he be um the cream? Pam. Pam. <laughs> I I feel uh, like Brett would Brett would either be Toby or Creed. <laughs> I can see Jenna's Creed. Jenna's got some Creed to him, I think. I don't know that I've had any interactions with him one-on-one to where I could speak to who Jenna would be. The funny thing is, I've known Jenna, like, probably before, no, definitely before Bearcat Lair, what became Bearcat Journal, because we did stuff together at Tri-State Football and then kind of morphed into to helping me with this. Back in the Who, day. Who's Todd Packer? I remember um, that character. Man, that might yeah. actually be Dave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll let we'll let you guys you guys chime in on that one. How would how would you how would you chart the BCJ staff as office? Yeah. It's characters. Let's hear it. What else we got here? Um the last question is, while growing up as kids, what do you guys? What did you guys do for fun? Were you more into video games or playing outside? Any cool stories like building cool forts, tree houses, ramps for bikes, getting in trouble doing something you were not supposed to be doing, etc. Uh, in my neighborhood, there was a natural half pipe back in oh. the woods, and um, there was plenty of trouble that we were getting into back there. As you can imagine, as kids who were riding bikes where no adults could see them because we were in the middle of the woods at a natural half pipe where you could ramp your bikes literally like 12, 15 feet in the air. It was crazy. We used to turn everything into wiffle ball fields. Like everything. My backyard. One day she went to work and she was like, cut the grass. So I dropped the wheels all the way down to one and cut bases into her backyard. Nice. And then and then did the like the baseball like lines, you know, put it on 3, cut a row, put it on 4, mm-hmm. cut a row, put it on 3, cut a row. And to say she was mad when she got home. 
would be an understatement. We also built a baseball diamond in an empty lot in my buddy's backyard, like completely cleaned out the whole vacant lot, built like fences, pitching mound, the whole nine yards. We spent like two months building this thing. We built it. We played on it for about a month and somebody fucking bought the lot and like showed up one day, like we're building this here. And we're like, to hell you are. <laughs> we just built a baseball. We, we like, we, we're four months into this thing. The hell you mean you're putting a house here? So the, the base, you know, the field of dreams got torn down. And what we do to get in trouble? Everything. 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 We play like, what I was, Aaron, you're close enough to my age. Like, video games were definitely a thing. We definitely oh, spent a lot oh, of time yeah. inside playing video games. But there was way more time spent outside was, on our bikes, playing basketball, playing wiffle ball, football. Video, video games were a winter sport, right? Like, we were outside right, always. Right, and all like Or like, we're of the general we're of the generation where you're, where you're hollering out the front door for your kids to come home. And that was the thing is you needed to be in right. earshot of home to be able to make it home. Or you knew when it got dark, you were coming home. I was, uh, we, we played video games at night. Like once we had to come in. Right. And, and we had like, we had Madden tournaments. Like we had, you know, we had some big time video game stuff for sure. We're younger. So video games were probably a little more prominent. For you, right? Uh, not really. Uh, well, I mean, depending on what you would define it, me as a kid, but um, I mean, as a kid, we we lived in like right on a golf course. Um, had like a lot of a lot of fun Shocking. doing that, and then we also uh, had had like these fields because I had a brother that's one year older than me. Why well, still have him? So, but uh, so we had a lot of mutual friends. And we would have just like poor guy. Huge, we would have huge just football games. And I mean, a lot of the things that I would get in trouble with would be like if me and my brother, his name is Derek, would get in like a like a one-on-one basketball game. It would always just end up in a fight, like one of us punching the other or or something like of that sort. And then of course, same in football. We we used to play this game where literally we would just kick the ball off, throw it off, and then he would just and then the main objective was to get past the other guy. He would juke me because he was a shifty quarterback growing up. And then I would just run over him. So uh, a lot of fights. Um, I threw I, one bad time. I was playing Candyland League back in uh, Cincinnati when I used to live there. And uh, it was like picture day. And I was just tossing rocks in the, in the parking lot. And I just you know lit up a, lit up a van, the uh, backseat of a van and lit up the the glass went everywhere. That was a bad thing. Got in a lot of trouble for that. Um, I don't know. Didn't really get in too many fights, but uh, man, we were out that a lot, like you guys said. But yeah, video games. I mean, NCAA football was uh, my my livelihood in the late nights and then winters, like you said. And uh, but yeah, outside, inside, just having a blast. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. I miss childhood, man. We had so much fun. Like <laughs> we had, we had no worries, man. We were just uh, we had a good group of guys, like you know, that were like we had a neighborhood group of guys that were down, like at any point in time. Yeah. Hey, we're having a three-on-three basketball tournament. Yeah. Hey, we're playing, we're playing football. Hey, we're doing like 
it -hmm. didn't matter, man. You made five or six calls and you told them to make a couple calls to their people. And next thing you know, an hour later, there'd be like 30 people. Yeah. 30 people somewhere ready to go. Childhood is awesome. Kids don't, don't play outside anymore. You drive around and you don't ever see kids on bikes. You don't ever see kids playing in the yard. Like it's, it's weird if you do. Unless they're doing the TikToks, Aaron, the TikToks. But no, but no, I, uh, man, I, yeah, it's it it is strange to just remember because because my parents weren't strict at all, you know. Um, so you would like get pretty doggone far away from the house on your bike, and you'd be like, okay, it's starting to get dark. I gotta figure my way home. I just like, want to know how I'm supposed to grow up and to get off my lawn, guy, when no one's ever on my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> we used to like this was. And this was elementary school up until like fifth grade. There was a park right by our house. And at the bottom of the park, there was a creek. And if you know where the Erlanger exit or the Erlanger exit on 275 is, like where the old Erlanger cinemas used to be, right where 275 and 75 split in northern Kentucky. There's a tunnel underneath that expressway segment we would walk through the creek through the tunnel and all the way back into this like property that was owned by uh, the, the the church and they had, like a waterfall and it was like a it's like a mile and a half two mile walk and we would do that shit in the summer like five times a week huh? like just be gone for like five hours just like you know uh stand by me like you know <laughs> like just on our bikes like walking just don't let the leeches get you though right like <laughs> walking through like the the tunnel like with with the the water like socks off pants up shoes off get through the tunnel get back out like it like childhood was awesome it was oh by the way we've gained like 27 members since we started recording this podcast and the news broke that brian kelly took <laughs> let's you go <laughs> uh, thanks bk yeah. thanks buddy how about, how so, about bk coming in clutch four hours before the end of the sale on on youtube or on bearcat journal no on bearcat journal like That's your fantastic. subscriptions yeah let's go never a dull moment we are, we'll see if we hit it by midnight. We are seven members. And for the OGs, the people that have been around a long time, when we couldn't get over 500 members for like three years, we're seven members from 1,700. Let's go. <laughs> to the moon, Chad. Let's to go. And congratulations to all the people that are stealing money from me over the next 12 months. Only paying $26 a year for this service. But those who are donating money to the BCJ cause would include a specific transmission company, correct? That would include our good friends at Danco Transmission. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll get in the ad read one more time on the inaugural show. Danco Transmission and Auto Care, family owned since 1970. In Fairfield, near Jungle Gems, proud to support the Bearcats and the BBP. Mention the BBP for $10 off any oil change or service. Danco. That's a wrap. That's the mailbag. Very That's good. the read. Let's get out of here, folks. Let's get out of here, folks. A lot of, uh, a lot of, 
A lot of behind the keyboard, reading, writing, texting, talking, <laughs> so much going on. Apologies, we're all distracted as shit. Yeah, no, I think we did a great job, guys, as always. But uh, you know what? This is another fantastic, fantastic show. A special thanks to my good friends, partners in uh, misery, happiness, and elation. Aaron Smith and Chad Brendel. I thought you were going to drop a, a sponsor again. <laughs> and, a big, and a big thank you as well to Danco Transmissions. Get your oil changed because I'm sure you're going to be driving pedal to the metal, freaking out for the next couple of weeks. So head into Danco. Make sure that you are driving pedal to the metal in style. Uh, but aside from that, another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com. See ya!